Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. We're so grateful that you found us. The JCBC Podcast is a collection of sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. Right now, we're in a new series. It's called How to Be Human. We hope if you're in town or close by, you'll stop in and join us 11 o'clock Sunday mornings. Until then, subscribe and follow along. All right, so Ecclesiastes chapter 1 is where we will be. But I feel like because we've been away, you know, we, the last time we were together, the Bulldogs weren't, you know, national champions. It's been a minute since we've been together. Right on. And, and so uh, I want to give a little bit of a recap. Uh, our first time together in this new sermon series called How to Be Human, I made some basic statements about, about our assumptions about existence. I said in that first sermon, based on the witness of Scripture itself, that when God created humankind, God thought it was a very good idea, and that very good idea includes you. That the witness of Scripture again and again holds up a very high regard for human beings. The psalmist in Psalm 8 says, you know, what are human beings that you're mindful of them? What what are mortals that you even care for them? Yet you, you have made them just a little lower than God and have crowned them with glory and righteousness, or glory and honor, rather. The Scripture holds up this idea that you and I are created in the image and likeness of God, which means no matter what you do or where you've been or uh, who your mom or dad were, you are created with the divine DNA coursing through you to be created in the image of god you didn't put that image there and you can't take it away but we said during that first sermon that we're not just created in the image of god but in the likeness which means with the capacity to live like we are created in the image of god we're given kingly dominion and responsibility over the earth to be fruitful and multiply yeah to be sure but to have care and responsibility over the care of all the created order, like God does. The trouble is, we don't always act like we were created to live in this world. Patterns of self-defeat and self-destruction that we call sin creates a, well, an obstacle to living up to and into our highest call to be created in his own image and live like it. Last week or last time we were together, I said that sin is not just something we do because we're humans. We tend to kind of fall into believing that. And it's a, it's a lie. We don't, we don't sin just because we're humans and humans are going to sin. Sin, I made the argument that day, is actually what dehumanizes us. That we are created beautiful and good and righteous and lovely in God's eyes. Very good, according to the writer of Genesis 1. But when we sin, the broken patterns of life actually mar that image and dehumanize us. So Christ was born among us to become one of us. And in Christ becoming one of us, taking on flesh and bone and living among us so that we might see with our eyes, he becomes the living word because we see in the life of Jesus what God intended from the very beginning. So Colossians 1, 19 says, In him the fullness 
of God was pleased to dwell. This is why when Jesus spoke about himself, see, you and I give Jesus great regal titles like King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's the Messiah. All these great titles that he's deserving of, and we should rightly attribute these high and regal titles to him. However, he didn't prefer titles like that, like Son of God, but rather Son of Man. His favorite title, most used by himself, was Son of Man, which is an obscure little reference to a book in the Old Testament called Daniel. Son of Man means the representation of all humankind, the truly human one. Jesus came to embody what God had in mind when God created us. So he says things like, he says in John 10, 10, I came that they might have life and have it to the fullest. I came that they might have life and have it to the fullest. But sometimes that that understanding of what a full life looks like is confusing because we cloud or pollute or convolute what it means to have an abundant life by images of materialism and stuff and wealth and things and the accumulation of things that we can earn in life. But the kind of life that he came to provide, the full life, is about being truly human. So Howard Thurman was talking about one day what it means to find your vocation, your calling. And he says, look, if you want to figure out what to do with your life, don't ask the world, you know, what does the world need? Instead of asking what does the world need, ask what makes you come alive? And then go do that. Because what the world really needs are people who have come alive. So being human, first and foremost, has something to do with learning what it takes to be awake enough to be alive in this world, truly alive as Christ was alive. In the second and third century, there was a bishop, a leader of a church in the south of what is now France. His name was Irenaeus of Lyon, and Irenaeus said, look, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. The glory of God, the thing that brings God the most delight is to see a human person in all of his or her earthy, gritty, uh, textured humanness, the materiality of your own life. To be fully alive is what gives God the greatest pleasure. Not to be perfect, not to be flawless, but to live as, uh, as, as one theologian describes, to live your humanity at full stretch. Think about that image. Is your life right now galloping at full stretch? Barbara Brown Taylor talks about what it means to even obey the call of God or to follow God in service. This is what she says in her her book, Leaving Church. The very call to serve God is first and foremost the call to be fully human. Can I ask how full is your humanness. So much of what we do among religious people is an attempt to escape our humanness, thinking somehow that the materiality of this world is something inherently evil when Christ came because, well, God so loved this world, right? How full is your humanness? So there's this witness in Scripture that says that that humankind at full stretch, is designed to be something embraced 
and loved and enjoyed by human beings. But the truth is, that's, that's why you and I pursue all kinds of pursuits. Because there's something inherent about this assumption we make that life can mean something. I mean, don't you, don't you sense it? Haven't you sensed from as early as you can remember? And for some of you, it's a little longer than others. Haven't you sensed that there is something more? Something that is so worth your pursuit that it would give you a reason to wake up in the morning. <laughs> this is the reason that we, we, we left the cave and, and, and climbed over the hill and united the tribes and took over the thing and, and won the day because inherent within being human beings is a desire to chase after meaning. But you know it's also possible? <laughs> to spend your entire life chasing after meaning in every conceivable direction only to get to the end of it as disappointed as you were when you began it. What, what's it look like to chase after every possible source of meaning in life so that your human life matters only to be frustrated by what you find? There are some people I know who just go through life they don't mean to, they can't help it, they're not trying to, but do you know anybody who goes through life with just kind of this low-grade, steady kind of temperature of disappointment? A kind of low-grade fever of discontentment because they haven't found what they're looking for. Well, in Scripture, there is a man named Koheleth, which is a word, Hebrew word that means teacher or preacher, or some have said uh, the observer. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, this observer stands and makes some observations about the life that he's lived thus far. And he has sought to find meaning in every conceivable direction. But at the end of his pursuits, chasing after every good thing, he's left to feel as if it is meaningless. Listen to these words from Ecclesiastes chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utter meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. It's a real pick-me-up of a book, by the way. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun sets, it hurries back to where it rises. The, the wind, it blows to the south and north, round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. This whole thing is just a merry-go-round is what he's feeling like. He says, you know, all the streams flow into the sea, and yet the sea is never full to the place the streams come from, they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. In other words, I have looked and I have listened, and, 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 and it's still not enough. It's not enough. And he continues, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations that even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. I, the teacher, 
was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. And then this heavy line here. What a heavy burden God has laid on human beings. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Do you know what it feels like to have pursued in every conceivable direction some meaning in life and at the end of each journey in frustration and disappointment do you know what it feels like to feel as if you have just been chasing wind what i love about the sacred scripture is that you have on the one hand this relentless refrain about how human beings are created just a little lower than God, beautifully and, and wonderfully weaved in your mother's womb, just, just uh, in the image and likeness of God, and it holds a very high regard to what we call the human experience. So high a regard that God was willing to die to save it. And yet, at the same time in Scripture, there's this voice of Koheleth, who in juxtaposition to that very high regard says, yeah, it's all meaningless. The reason I love the tension in the text here is because it's honest. Does it not at times feel as if we are chasing the wind? It's as if Kohela says, I have chased meaning in every conceivable direction, and it's all meaningless until you begin to understand the word that's used for meaningless. This word that keeps recurring again and again in Hebrew, the word is chevel. Chevel is a word that means vapor or, or smoke. Sometimes it's translated, you know, vanity or meaninglessness. Koheleth is saying, I have looked for meaning in every direction, in my work, in my wealth, in my relationships, in sex, in pleasures, in every conceivable direction, if you read the rest of the book of Ecclesiastes. And at the end of the day, he looks you in the eye as the reader of his story and he says it's all vapor it's all meaningless in the new testament there is another wisdom writing called the book of james and in the book of james we hear a kind of echo that sounds a little bit like koheleth in ecclesiastes we read it this way yeah you do not even know what tomorrow will bring what is your life for you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. From the day you drew your first breath until the day that you give back your last breath, all of it, here for a while, and then vanishes. The first tooth that breaks through your gums, the first step that you take, wobbling and falling and getting back up again, the first time you fall in love and your heart races, the first time you fall out of love and your heart breaks. From watching a new life come into existence and marveling at how God can continue to do this again and again and again to seeing that new life grow and go through pain that you can't take away or fix. 
to starting the new job, to moving into the new house, to to finally getting to retirement, to then questioning retirement, (laughs) to watching the kids come and then watching them go from start to finish. A mist. The older I get, the faster life seems to pass by. When you're four years old, you look forward to Christmas like, like it's going to take forever to get here because really at four years old, Christmas comes once a year. Well, that's a quarter of your lived experience is a year. That's a long time. But if you're 64, it's 164th. So quite literally, time just passes. Just last week, we lost two friends One in Maryland, he was an old man who was sick, and we saw it coming and anticipated it and attended his funeral. Another, a younger man who was healthy, was just appointed as a judge in Orlando at another church where we served, who runs up and down the sidelines of the soccer field as a referee, as a judge, and and yet overnight, without any warning, dies. We are here for a little while, and then we are not. And on the one hand, we could look at that truth and be depressed by it. We could be demoralized by that reality unless you pay attention to what Chavel is really attempting to demonstrate. That yes, while life can be a vapor, a mist that appears for a while and vanishes, there's more to Chavel than that. When he speaks of Havel, he's talking about a different kind of flighty, fleeting existence. A Canadian pastor by the name of Dale Harris says, maybe the best way to understand the intent of Havel, that life is filled with Havel, that is vanity, vanity, meaninglessness, meaninglessness, is to pay attention to what he says the 20th century French existentialist used to say about the word absurd. Listen to what one of those guys, and I know you read, you know, 20th century French existentialists for your nightly devotion, but one of them, Camus, listen to what he says. The world itself is not reasonable. That is all that can be said. But what is absurd is the confrontation of this irrational world and this wild longing for clarity that echoes in the human heart. What he's saying is what what is hard to get our minds around, what is absurd is the reality that we live in a world that does not make sense at times. But what's even more absurd about that is that in a world that does not make sense, there is echoing in the human heart a deep desire for it to make sense. And that confrontation, that unresolvable confrontation is Hevel. So Kohelet thought about Havel in the same way that we think about those absurdities. And he gave some examples as well, this, this Canadian pastor. He said, to give you an example, it's like this. There's a guy who's young, and he's eating healthy his whole life, and he's working out every day. And all of a sudden, with no warning, he dies. But you know there's also in this life, the same day, a man who ate unhealthy his whole life, smoked like a chimney, drank like a, like a fish, and yet he lives to be an old, old man. And the fact is that just, it happens. 
and we make no sense of it. That is chavel, the absurdity of a world that makes no sense, but at the same time, a desire for it to make sense. It's like, why did all the nice girls in high school date all the biggest jerks? Or is that just me? Or is we have all these technologies in our pockets. We have all access to every kind of app to make your life simple, to make your life convenient and easy and lighter and stress-free. And yet because and in the presence of those technologies, are we any freer? Chevel. And, and I believe that this is what he's talking about when he says that this is an absurd existence. And yet, if you continue to read the rest of Ecclesiastes, he says, it's okay, because this is how the Creator has designed it, so that we learn to take life as it comes from the hand of a loving Creator rather than go through life on the lifelong illusion that we are in control of anything. And if we can learn to take life from the hand of a loving creator, then it means we have to make room for some chevel in it. And I think this is what Jesus was talking about when he said, I want you to have a life that is full. I came that they may have life and have it to the fullest. In your translation, it may say, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. The word in Greek for abundant in that particular text there is uh, perisos, and perisos means beyond what's anticipated. It means exceeding the expectation of a thing, but my favorite definition, it means a life not ordinarily encountered. Will you let that sit with you for a moment? The life that Jesus brings, we sometimes assume that the good life, the abundant life, the full life is a life free of havel free of problems, the perfect life. When in reality, the life that Jesus came to give is one that is not ordinarily encountered. In other words, in a world that comes with plenty of chevel, there is a way to order your life in that world where you are still free and still content and still filled with joy despite the chevel that surrounds you. So, do you remember in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 5 of Matthew, uh, he begins to talk about what we call the Beatitudes. And Jesus identifies these particular conditions in life. He just makes an observation, a little bit like Kohelet. He makes some observations about certain conditions in life, but then all of these conditions are awkward conditions that, that most would define as weakness or chavel. But Jesus calls them blessed. Listen to just a few of these. Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they or those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn us. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of God, and then the real, the real peace to resistance. The blessed are you 
when people revile you and persecute you and utter all forms of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus is saying that life comes with plenty of havel. But there is a way to see the havel that surrounds you in a way with new eyes that sees your condition as blessed. Because when you are in these these moments that just don't make sense, these absurdities that we all face in life, and we try to make sense of it, but we can't, when you're in the midst of those kinds of seasons, you are in the greatest posture for more intimate relationship with God than you could be without it. That in those conditions of weakness and vulnerability and transparency, you are positioned in a way to depend on the God who has ordered the universe in a way that is far more intimate and strong than if you actually ran the universe. So he invites you to actually live a life of Hevel, a life of divine absurdity in this world. Think about the things that he has asked us to do, modeled for us how to do. You have heard it said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I say to you, if someone strikes you on the cheek, give to him the other cheek. That's, see, that's absurd. That's chavel, yet that's real strength, see. If somebody sues you to take your, your coat, well, give them your cloak also. If someone forces you to walk one mile, don't stop there. Walk two. Why? For the chavel of it all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, come on now. For the chavel of it, you do the thing that doesn't make sense because God is found in the absurdities. So, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. If you want to know how to find yourself in first place, learn how to take the last place. If you want to save your life, learn how to give it away. One of the greatest lessons we can learn in how to be human is to recognize that life comes with chevel. And call it what you want to. Call it the abundant life. Call it life to the fullest. Call it life as never encountered before. Whatever you call it, understand this. Jesus says, I am here to provide for you a kind of fullness and aliveness about being alive that only comes when you surrender to the love of a God who holds all the chevel in the palm of his hand. And why would God hold all the chevel of our humanness in the palm of his hand but to transform it into something more beautiful than we can imagine? And my proof for this, beloved, is the crucifixion. He took on flesh and bone and moved into the neighborhood so that we might see how to be a true human being. And the best thing we could do with a God who would show up and take on flesh and bone was nail him to a tree. And in nailing him to the tree, it was the most cosmic display of absurdity, of cosmic chevel. And yet, we read in John chapter 1, he came into the world, and the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, 
and his own knew him not. Those two verses in chapter 1 of John are filled with Ravel. Yeah. But on the third day, in the midst of the absurdity of the crucifixion, God raising the crucified Jesus transformed every human Havel that you and I could ever experience. Transformed it so that instead of living eternally in the juxtaposition between a world that doesn't make sense and a heart that wants it to make sense, instead you and I are given the gift of salvation, of hope that this whole thing is going somewhere. And the way that you and I respond is simply to let it to yield our lives to the one who holds all the chavel in his hand and who is able to transform it in God's good time. <laughs> 